This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Today's guest has undoubtedly made you laugh at some point. You may have even quoted some of his catchphrases over the years. He spent a few seasons on Saturday Night Live back when it was still doing comedy. You know, the golden era, along with Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Janine Garofalo, Chris Rock, Phil Hartman, David Spade, Mike Myers, Dennis Miller. Some of his characters, um, he's played a gigolo, uh, a Martian, a dinosaur, a prince, a guru, a donkey rider, a sensitive nudist, a delivery guy, creepy Elvis, a crime-fighting animal, a surf ninja, a petty criminal who morphs into Rachel McAdams, and a copy machine guy who loves to give people nicknames. He starred along with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in a movie about counterfeit fashion. Seinfeld, he was the guy who uh, might have been faking a hearing problem. Repo Man, he mocked Stallone's ignorance about toilet paper. In Waterboy, he turned four simple words, you can do it, into an iconic punchline. He is a core member of Adam Sandler's Happy Madison Productions. He has been the main character in sitcoms on CBS and in Netflix. In 2020, Netflix released a stand-up special, Asian Mama, Mexican Kids. His latest movie, Daddy Daughter Trip, comes to theaters at the end of September. Holy cow, he's also on the road all the time. Maybe the most impressive thing that he has done is to tell the world he's not a woke leftist. He is awake. Please welcome Rob Schneider. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, um, but there seems to be some shortage of, uh, you know, things like food, gas, uh you know, inflation, there's plenty of money, it seems. Uh, shortages of food are inevitable. And I don't know how bad it's going to get here in America, but the rest of the world, it's going to be, it's going to be real bad. Uh, do you have a stockpile of emergency food? I know that sounds crazy, but now is the absolute best time to stockpile some food. Um, my Patriot Supply is taking $250 off their very popular three-month emergency food kit. And right now, to help America's fight against inflation, um, you can be prepared for what's coming. And you can fight inflation. You can save $250 off this essential three-month emergency food kit. All you have to do is go to preparewithglenn.com. Let me point out, this is the lowest price on this kit since 2019. My Patriot Supply wants to make sure your family can affordably be prepared for what's coming. It's a limited time offer. Go to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. Three-month emergency food kit for $250 off right now. Thank you. 
welcome L. King's dad. <laughs> it finally happened. Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, the last time I had a famous dad who was having a famous daughter on the show, I was at CNN, and it was um, Billy, Ray, <laughs> Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> and I said to him, are you sure? I mean, and he said, oh, my daughter has had the gospel drilled into her and she's got good family she values. Is, there's no way she's going to be twerking in 18 months. There's no, it's not that's possible. Like, this girl, she's from Nashville. She's not going to be corrupted by Hollywood. Cut to. Now, your daughter, though, is 31 and... Yeah, she's doing good. I'm happy for her. She just, you know, I was wondering, I said, How, why would she want it? And it's like, but she was a stage rat. She was around all those movies. Yeah. I put her in Deuce Bigelow. I didn't even have to give her notes. She just knew it. And I said, either actress, but I think the, I think the music business is more supportive. And I do think you can get out of it. And I think country music is a more loyal fans. Yeah, yeah. She's drifted there. She had a hit, a number one hit with Miranda Lambert and mm. Drunk, which is, you know, as her dad, you know. My, your daughter has a number one song. Yeah. What's it called? Drunk. Oh, good then. Right? She's not twerking yet, is she? <laughs> uh, the uh, My daughter is, ever since she was little, I've called her Lucy because she's yeah. Lucille Ball. She's just hysterical. And uh, she wants to act and everything else. I've done everything I can. I don't want to hold her back. Yeah. I've done everything I can to, like, no, well, really uh, reconsider. Well, the rejection really. of it, it's like, you know, especially if you've gone through it. But the weird thing about it, and, and she's so talented, I'm, God, you know, and she, she really pushed it. Ellie, I'm so proud of her. Um, but the thing about it, it's like the people most susceptible to the pitfalls of show business are the ones most attracted to it. And so when you, mm-hmm. when you think about like, I mean, after a while you've been around for enough people like they're gone now, you know, like, you know, like Prince, I remember like right. when he died a few years ago and um, that's about the average for the entertainer, 57. Cause that's how, that's how tough it is. And it's 58. Yeah, so I've just made it. I'm like, really, I'm, I'm just like kind of hanging there. On borrowed time. <laughs> yeah, but that's the average. I mean, that's an old statistic, but I think that's pretty much the average if you add it together. I guess that's including the rock bands and the drummers who yeah. explode. Are you, uh, and uh, why is that, do you think? I do think, I think it's the pressure. I think it's the um, travel. I think it's the drugs. And um, it's, a, it's it, it has those, like I said, like I remember like the first day, I ever heard about Chris Farley, who's gone now. I can't believe he's been gone over 20-something years now. Um, first time I heard about him was from Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk was a writer. He's brilliant. Yeah, he was a writer on SNL, and he said to me, and I remember because I was, you know, when I was first in SNL, they said, there's a new guy coming, and I was, I was just kind of freaked out that I was on the floor, you know? Mm-hmm. And then behind him was like, he had an office looking at the Empire State Building. So when he was talking to me, we're like, he's going to he has an office the Empire State. Right. Like, I'm just a kid from you know from a beach town and um, he said oh there's a new guy they're hiring next uh, next year really funny out of Second City uh, his name's Chris Farley he's not going to live long but he's really really funny is and that really how they said that he said it that coldly and wow. it put a, put a chill in me and you know what though and I, and I was like that wasn't very nice but then he was right <laughs> he, he knew that this this guy had you know some proclivity did Chris know it? I don't think that was part of the danger was 
for people, they think if they survive a, um, you know, one of those things where they bring you back and, uh, and like, it's one of the things when Nirvana was on, like on the Thursday night, uh, the lead singer, um, yeah, Kurt Cobain, he, they, he had to go to the hospital and he was like, you know, recess, whatever yeah. things they had to do. And then he did a show that Saturday. And I remember being on stage with him going like, Ooh, there's something off, you know, about it. And like just a darkness, you know, um, and a tired or fatigue that I just never seen with a young person. And Chris, like towards the, you know, they, he just didn't think he could die. And it's, that's the danger. And the thing about Chris, a sweetheart, a sweetheart, even when he was high, you know, sometimes the real beast comes out. Mm -hmm. Somebody was a drunk and a mean drunk. He was a sweet, super nice guy, but I think he thought it was like a joke. And one of the things that like, you know, I didn't show up at a party one time because uh, I knew he was going to be there and he was still using. And I like, I did want, if you show up, you're tacitly approving of it. And um, he was doing a movie and it really made me angry at the time with the, with the you know, Brillstein Gray, which is management, that they were still making money off of him when they knew he had a problem, you know. And but at the same time, he wanted to work. So, you know, I've become less angry. But also like Columbia, Sony Columbia was making a picture with him knowing that he had a, you know, was a drug addict I think and should be in therapy. I think that's the the hard part. I remember when they trademarked my name and all of a sudden I I felt like a product. All of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm, a, I'm no longer a human being. I'm yeah. a product. And that's, I think, part of the problem with, especially when I was working with, you know, Fox and, and everything, you don't exist. You know, you don't really exist. Yeah. You are something that they use to just push out in front. Well, that's the problem with um, mainstream media as it moves through. I mean, Noam Chomsky, who um, I agree with a lot of stuff, some stuff I don't, but like he described it in the manufacture of consent really well as a wrecking machine, a wrecking ball that is just destroying and destroying things and moving on. And it never goes back to check the destruction mm -hmm. that it leaves behind. And I do think that like, you know, it's human beings and the way that, um, you know, it's happening again with social media and the people that can be just swept under the rug, just destroyed Gone. and people who, who's, uh, it's just a new way of, um, it's a new, uh, you know, what I call it, it's it's a new religion. It mm -hmm. is uh, this wokeism thing. It's, it really is. It does fit into it. And there's so many tacits to it. And it's coming from the left. And it is a Marcusean religion that is happening. And it is, if and just like any religion, or just like what it was when um, extremists, whether it was in the Spanish Inquisition, there's going to be heretics. Mm -hmm. And these heretics need to get burned. Mm -hmm. and now it's the stake of social media. And I've been one of those. <laughs> and you've been one of yeah. those. But wait a minute, wait, wait. You just quoted Noam Chomsky. Yes. So where is our nexus? First of all, what the hell are you thinking being on this program? Yeah, you have to listen. <laughs> you have to listen to people when they're like, and, and like, I agree with like, first of all, Noam Chomsky talking about American foreign policy. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat I agree. or a Republican. Yeah. It's the same crap. You yeah. have the same Republicans who you would think would not go, would, would think not want to put $40 billion into a war in the Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And they put more 60. into 
60 now. Yeah. And it's like, we should be putting that here. We could be putting that and, and putting that, you know, whether it's protecting schools like that Maya Flores says we should, we could be doing. And I know it's up to the states to do but for their own. But the, the fact of the matter is, Ukraine, as Obama said, is not a national priority. It right. is not a national um, security it's issue. Not, yeah, it's not our, and, our and interest. What, what, the, what Ukraine had a chance to be was Sweden. Mm-hmm. And if they really would have given a shit about, if they wouldn't, you know, just this warmongering and money-making thing, they could have turned in uh, Ukraine into Switzerland. It could have been the tech Switzerland, the breadbasket, and also a tech wonderland, and it could have done. And it, they should have been riding the middle, not being forced. And it was NATO, and it was the United States foreign policy, another you know misguided foreign policy, pushing Ukraine to the edge. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who goes like, yes, but they need deserve to have freedom, I go, okay, if you want to put uh, missiles facing toward, on the border of Ukraine facing toward Russia, I said, it's just very simple, you just tell people, let's have China putting missiles in Tijuana facing towards mm-hmm. California. That's going to stay, those missiles are going to stay there for about... 36 seconds before they get wiped out. And so you have to, you know, you got to respect um, Russia's sovereignty. And you also have to know that, like, Russia is not the enemy. Russia isn't. They just aren't. And that's that shit's got to stop. It really does. It, they, um, Russia's got the, the GDP of Texas, roughly. And so they don't have the money to do it. And, and we have more in common with Russia than, 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 than uncommon. That we, we have our differences. The enemy's China. China wants to destroy any semblance of freedom in the world. That is the enemy. And that is something we need to focus on. And it is, and it should be, treasonous to sell schools, farmland in the United States. What are we thinking that is lunacy and that is dangerous and um i really <laughs> i hope that we'll have uh, a leader very soon who will um you know understand that <laughs> understand that yeah yeah it is it's terrifying what we're doing i mean i was just talking to uh, vivek ramaswamy do you know who he is uh, vivek ramaswamy he okay. is a um, um a uh, guy who's been in tech and pharmaceuticals and Wall Street, and he just started an anti-ESG um, okay, index good. going right after BlackRock. But instead of yeah. instead of tearing them down, he's just saying, move your any investment you have in energy, American energy, move it over here because our shareholders are saying, drill, do what's right for your company. Not for some global entity that is trying to control things. You yes. Know? <clears throat> well, the sad facts are green energy. I would love it to work. Me too. I would think if green energy was the answer, it would be, I mean, I would celebrate it and it would be fantastic. And, you know, there's a really interesting documentary called, and another name that would not come up here much, Michael Moore. The, <laughs> he's the executive producer of this movie called planet of the humans and it exposes and it's by these are liberals who just and and god bless people these. who really believe it should be pissed at all of this <laughs> yes. garbage it's anger but the thing yes. about it it's like it, it I, I would love it to work but it does not work and it is sickening and it is um 
It, it is really a, an abomination because what it really is, is it not only doesn't work, it's making the situation worse. Right. So here's what happens and how it, it's affecting like the, you know, uh, the middle class in America and the poor. And it's in, in many ways. First of all, there are these there's about 300 of them in the United States. And the only reason that these green energy plants, <laughs> these green, you know, is because they're getting 11 percent. They're getting 11% from the government. That's the only reason they can be mm-hmm. profitable. They don't burn hot enough. So what they have to do is use trees. So what do they do? And they got to use trees to, to, like, to, to burn that. To, so it's, it's worse than coal. So because what they, it's, here's what the thing about it. Because they, to get the trees, they can't just put the trees in the, in the furnace. Right. They got to chop it up. And what do they use to chop it up? petrol in these wood chippers <laughs> and they chop it up into small pieces and the petrol that they're using of course is you know yeah. what are they complaining about diesel and then it doesn't burn hot enough so glenn what they have to put on top of the wood chips is what tires oh can you believe gosh. it so they have to chop the tires up so they got to use more petrol to chop the tires up so the tires into little tiny balls and they chop it up into there using petrol and then they're burning tires and then these plants pollute burning tires so it's like it's like a little piece of it's like india's air around those places and um and this I, you know is ignored to, is I, ignored by the liberal intelligence at the same time Actual clean energy, natural gas, yes. and and nuclear energy completely ignored. Completely ignored. I, I mean, I really truly. Be, here's the problem with the global warming thing. I can read a thermometer. Yeah. Okay. I think it's arrogant to think we could control the weather, but it's not <laughs> arrogant to think that we could affect the planet deeply and possibly that changes. Yes. Things, well, that's okay? that's exactly right. I'm so glad you brought that up because. There's a difference between global warming mm-hmm. and, the, first of all, the idea that, that the liberals, I'm sorry that because they, they're the ones propagating this, is that, uh, and first of all, as you know, like 40 years ago, they were talking about a new ice age. You I know, know, global cooling. Global cooling. So, and so, but what happens is it isn't this thing where, it's, where you can just look and go, oh, look at this, it's going up. It's a, no, it's like weather. It's just, it, and the planet and the cycles and the tens of thousands of years, not just a hundred years. Yeah. It's up and down. And so you'll Correct. have some, and so if, if, we are affecting things. It's going to be uh, there's going to be spikes, and there will be, you know, maybe more intense, shorter winters, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, longer, hot summers. Whatever. Some place will be drought. Some place will be flood. But you just can't go off of and say this is for sure. There are an effect that affects people, and I am very, very much into this. Like I do think that, like I do agree that like overfishing is a real problem. But you're and, not. But. Overfishing is different than taking, having um, Washington, Oregon, Idaho take five dams down, hydroelectric dams. Well, that's, yeah, that's lunacy. Because, too. yeah, this because of the salmon can't swim upstream. Well, you're going to have to make choices. You're going to have to choose, and I'm always going to choose people. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to choose peoples. You have to, I mean, that's the one thing going back to like, I know. Noam Chomsky. He said, the most important thing is the human condition. He's right about that. How do we increase the human condition? Yeah. That this is. is you said, Malthusian, earlier. You're right. It, this whole thing is anti-human. That, at least that's the way I feel. It is. It crushes that, the human spirit. It's yeah. a godless ideology of crushing the human spirit. And it's just another way to just to sex up, sexy up communism and say, well, look at that. 
Right now, as the sun climbs high into the morning sky, there's a guy in Texas checking his fourth or fifth oil rig, making sure the machinery is in proper working order and feeling that sun beat down on his neck. A thousand miles away from him in Iowa, a farmer's wife is out digging in the garden. She planted behind the house, pulling bright red tomatoes right off the vine. And in Florida, there's a guy walking the uncrowded morning beach, waving a metal detector in search for something. That would be a treasure. What do all of these people have in common? Well, they're Americans, but they're also walking around in comfortable American uh, socks. And it's weird because they're not the goofy looking ones with the guy in the metal detector. If you want socks that will keep your feet cool in the summer and warm in the winter, socks made with the latest wool technology and made right here in America, I urge you to try Grip 6. I wear them. They are great, great socks. They hold their elasticity. They fit like a glove. It's really great. Hard-earned money that you have, buy it once, buy it right, and buy it from a company in America. Grip6.com slash Beck. Go there now. You left. Were you officially a Democrat? Yes, I was. I mean, why wouldn't you be? (laughs) All the good-looking girls, the supermodels, they don't know. They don't read anything, but they're they're Democrats. I want to be in that room, all the cool parties, the Vanity Fair party. It's it's liberals. I want to get in there. (laughs) Right. Then, then Then you have to wake up. You have to. I say this, and I said this 10 years ago, or nine years ago, I said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. They left me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not about, I mean, mean, the traditional liberal values. And I will say about conservatism. Conservatism is basically what adopting what was radical 100 years ago. And now here we are. We're for women's rights. Mm. Women's rights are under threat by who? By these liberal intelligentsia, not even using one of the, using the word woman anymore. Mm-hmm. So you have this <clears throat> this very weird. I was trying to come up with something for you that seems smart. <laughs> and uh, you know, I said, he does read. He's thinking. <laughs> he brings it. He brought it today on Glenn Beck. You saw him. You saw him, didn't you? And uh, I was trying to think. I said, is there something like you know? And I said, you have like the Snopes trial, which is the 1920s, mm-hmm. like William Jennings Bryan guy mm-hmm. in Christianity. You know, and, and 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 creationism, and then you had the brilliant attorney. Um, I didn't bring it. Uh, Charles. Uh, Charles. Charles. Uh, no, no. What's that? We know. Well, yeah. So yeah, then, yeah. And then you have the the evolution, and then mm-hmm. like the whole point of the that um, of the play uh, "Inherit the Wind" mm-hmm. is like, well, we showed those creationisms didn't right. we? with this was the common sense these people are so stuck in their ways now they just can't open their eyes to like there's another way and maybe there's another way that god decided to create things and they mm-hmm. just refuse you know the people are like well dinosaur bones were planted by the devil and those guys <laughs> say, well, you know maybe god had a different plan right. instead so but what happens now is you have the atheists are now on that side where they're totally closed off oh, yeah. and, and won't look. The left has become everything they used to stand against. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Everything. They are. It's like the left is like standing back to back with what they used to mock mm-hmm. and the way that uh, uh, what they used to believe. And now it's become, if you fight against it, it's heretical. I mean, even like Maya Flores, who's this, you know, 
lovely Republican who finally won in this part of Texas, which is, I never heard of that part of Texas. <laughs> Texas is so huge. It is big. And it's like, there's a part of Texas. I didn't even know there was a congressman down there. I thought, I still thought that was part of Mexico. And so did Mexico. And there's nothing but Mexicans there. And they still think it's mostly part of Mexico. So this part would always voted Democratic, finally voted after 154 years, voted for this lovely uh, Republican. And she's got nothing but crap. That's the thing about it. It's like, I think like the Republican Party, at the end of the day, it's just, they don't have that, I mean, overall, that innate nastiness. There's just like, why would you attack this woman? She's a woman. She's Hispanic. Is, is, she, is she not fit into that umbrella at all? It's like, it's like to me, it's that same attack on like Ayan Hirsi Ali. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Ayan Hirsi Ali, he came out of Somalia, genital mutilation, was at a young age forced to be in these forced, I mean, everything you, you love America for. Mm-hmm. She, she escaped, you know. Taught what, herself, was it Swedish? Then became a member of Parliament. Parliament and hired herself. Yeah. She did this, and then like had her best friend murdered. And I, I was mm. I was there around that same time in Holland making making a movie, which was a very silly movie, <laughs> Deuce Bigelow too. But it has nothing to do with this. But she <laughs> had her friend Theo Van Gogh, was great director, mm-hmm. um, murdered on the street, and his kids found out in school that he was murdered, and that mm. was their nine eleven. Believe it or not. And uh, she had to get out of there. And then, so, and, and she is attacked as uh, Islamophobe. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, she's got reasons. <laughs> this got reasons to not like Islam. You know, she's got right. the, and so you have like, and I never forget it, like these white women getting up and walking mm-hmm. out of her speech. It's like, hey, this is craziness. This is now no longer about ideas. This is, this is a, this is a religion, and they're where they're like well, they just won't won't open to anything. And an openness, faith is an openness to the truth. Right. And they're faithless, and they yes. really are. And that's 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 a real problem that we have to we can't not you know. And I'm problem my problem with the you know the Republicans is you got to head you got to face this head on. Otherwise, you're not going to win. Otherwise, you're you're going to continue to have this degradation of Western culture and American culture. Specifically, and the degradation of freedom. You have to be able freedom. to name your enemy, and we're not doing that. And we're our not. enemy is Marxism and wokeism and all yeah. of the isms. You have to just you just get under that wokeism. You go, ah, fuck, it's communism. <laughs> what do we look at that? It's exactly. right there. It's right exactly there. Look at right. that. I just scratched the surface, and and then. And how wait, I got to go back. <laughs> Twenty thirteen, you're a Democrat. Okay, 2012. Were you the kind of Democrat, like, because when I was on Fox, I wouldn't have guessed you would have been a fan. So were you? I was. I was. But I was also cagey because you would also say things that made sense. So as a liberal, wait, 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 I would go wait. like, hey, this would... guy's in it. Well, I agree with that. That's that's how you get. That's how you get liberals who are open-minded. And that's why you get an Elon Musk. That's why Joe Rogan, right. Dave Chappelle. It's like at a certain point, the liberals got to wake up. Well, this is lunacy. Yes. Otherwise, you're just closed so minded. Then that, you're part of the that? mob. That's what happened. I was listening to you, and I go, well... That seems a bit, well, that's right. <laughs> well, he's right again. Well, that made sense. Well, did you hear that? And people go, no, this guy. Because you get labeled. And then when you're labeled, yeah, it's done. and then you, you get like, and then it's. it's, it's um, like, I've always said, um, I don't understand people who, you know, hate a race or anything else. 
get to know the individuals. <laughs> You'll hate them for legitimate reasons. You know what I mean? But when you blanket somebody yeah. and you pigeonhole people, that's that that happens and, and all it, the time. Um, and the, the weird thing is, is because it is cyclical, you know, like, I, you know, if you go back to like the moral majority in the mm-hmm. 1980s, which is like, um, which, which also was, was interested in censorship and they didn't, they, and they, they censored that Larry Flint thing, which was this, you know, there was a thing in, in one of his very vulgar magazines where it was, uh, I think it was, um, uh, who was the, the moral majority's name? I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, oh, come on now. Yeah, Liberty University. Yes, come on. Um, uh, I mean, my, f- my 50s, I was drinking at Nick and Sam's oh, last night. Was, uh, uh, come on. Um, I know his son. Moral majority. Help. Help. Camera. Who knows? Um, so anyway. anyway, so it was it was basically it was a picture of him. Uh, what was his his, uh, his mother in an outhouse? Having, you know, yeah, yeah. And and so uh, intercourse, whatever. And so that was uh, Jerry Farwell. Yeah. So uh, he sued. Yes. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled correctly that even something obscene and with absolutely no taste still is protected by the First Amendment. And that was a, um, a correct ruling. Because you have to, even something absolutely tasteless, even something horrendous, you have to, that, that freedom of speech is tantamount. Yes. Even something you disagree with. Yeah. And that it, it is the key to, to it. Even the, something I hate. The only, the, the only ones that need protection are the ones that people will hate. Exactly. Uh, nobody's yeah. trying to ban things that everybody agrees with. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So you have to, and, and that's the thing about free speech is the big one. And that's the thing that like America has its problems. It has its problems. I don't think it has its race problems. As, as my mother, who was Filipino and came over to this country, said, she said, in 1953, when I came to this country, this was, it was, um, we had a race problem in the, in the, but we don't have any more. And I said, well, she would know. Mm-hmm. She would know. I mean, she, she, she sees it. She was a school teacher for 30 years. So you have, um, and now, so the, the most important thing, like the bellwether of freedom in the world is our freedom of speech. That is under attack, and that is something we have to fight for. I have to fight. If I hate your, what you're saying, I, I can't stand it. Stand I will fight, and I will fight for your right to say it. Yep. That cannot be, and that's what's happening. Like, even like the... Maya Flores tweeted something to me and back about 87,000 IRS agents. We should hire 87,000 people to protect schools or whatever. You know, yeah. and I know the states are supposed to be in charge of the schools. <laughs> and they get, but it's the sentiment. It's a tweet. Right. It's out there. It's yeah. like, why are we hiring 87? And then, you know, there's only 400 billionaires. So unless they're going like 3,000 each going right. after them, they're coming after us. Yeah. Luckily, we have good accounts. <laughs> but for the most people. I don't think they're coming after us. I think they're coming after the average business owner. Who just barely Who survived. Just barely survived. Just ba- and just trying to work and does yep. not need to be spending. They need to be yes. spending time getting their business back. They don't need to be spending time going over receipts with some new a-hole who's got a gun and very well armed, right. by the way, and new ammunition that we can't get. <laughs> have you seen the Have you seen the training video? Oh, yeah. It's the hilarious. only good oh, yeah. thing is... is They'll kill each other before they get <laughs> they wait they were coming in. I was they're like, trying Whoa. to they're trying to censor that, but it's true. Mm-hmm. You can't censor something true. But that's the thing, they want to. Because what it's what it is, it's they know it's true, they know it's BS, they know it's crap, and yet they they just they just don't want to acknowledge it. 
that this is really happening. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So, That's sad. So do you think this is... So yeah, I had to become a, a, a Republican. I had to. Wait, you were, so you're a Republican? I'm a Republican, yeah. Really? I, I was libertarian. I said, no, I'm a Republican now. Libertarian, I'm mostly for libertarian values. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to be like, I want the Republican Party to, to you know, face Gross this head yeah, yeah, we need it. You know, I that's know. why I like DeSantis. You know, I really am a big fan of, uh, of DeSantis. Me and too. I've seen him. He barely won. And it was because of uh, he really got a little bit of help from uh, I'll, I'll say his name. Maybe I shouldn't. But Bill Hevener, who's a guy who owns Full Sail University. Great guy. And he Bill, he's a good guy. Bill gave. I don't know. I don't know anything. Bill about Hevener him. gave DeSantis the jet for the last two weeks of his campaign mm. to fly and go. Because you know, DeSantis doesn't come from money. Mm. Nixon didn't come from money. The last progressive president we had, really, Nixon. Mm. And uh, You wouldn't put Obama in that category? No, I wouldn't. Just straight Marxism? <laughs> yeah, I would go leftist, but I go progressive. I mean, like, progressive, like, progressive's not necessarily a negative thing. You have to go, like, I mean, Nixon put in Title Nine. He put in the Environmental Protection Nixon Agency. Nixon the gold standard. Yes, that's a mistake. But yeah. Nixon also, you know, <laughs> ran on a, um, ran on stopping the war in Vietnam. And he's like, you know, right. it, twice. Right. How about that? Right. That's, that's well, pretty I, darn I, good. I, I'm not but I would yeah. say that Nixon, you know, also wanted to put in a universal health Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then who who went against them? Kennedy, Edward Kennedy. So unbelievable. I mean, yeah. So that's like, and then I, I you know, you say I that think there are progress. I, I am. Uh, 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 I'm probably one of the leaders of the anti-progressive movement, <laughs> only because of the the birth of the progressive movement. Well, yeah. It well, it's not really the progressive. early twentieth century. That's it's in name only. Communism. It's in name communism. only because it's not really progress. Yeah. If you can't call a woman a woman anymore, right? That's not. That's that's an, a misogynistic attack on women. Yeah. So, but I do think you can. What's happening also is that they're ruining the language. The word progressive doesn't mean progressive anymore. It takes people like you who knows what it's who what they're using and what they're hiding behind. Correct. To use this uh, and, and like liberal used to be, uh, it was more of a libertarian. It was the smallest well, free, possible speech. government. You do what free you speech. want to do with your yes. life and get out of my life. Yeah. Get, get the yeah. government away from me yeah. and and let me have my business and and uh, you know women's rights, gay rights. I mean, then I'm all for it. But what happened was, and this is something that like. You know, I mean, from, I'm from San Francisco. I remember with the first elected gay official, Harvey Milk. And it was like this, you know, that was at that time, that's progress. Mm-hmm. But then what you happen is my, my, my theory is that the gays won. You have, you know, I'm all for, you know, gay right, gay marriage. And I was like, oh, if you want to be just mm-hmm. as miserable as me, go for it. <laughs> Get in there. Join the party. The party ends pretty quick. <laughs> And I said, but fine. And the gay adoption, I said, okay, these, these women want to adopt a baby. Um, 
they're gay. They should be allowed to. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be discriminated on the basis of sexual orientation. Jesus said, "Those who are not against us are with us." And so we have to go through. Um, and, and, and as a society, I think that worked. And uh, But then what happened was, in my professional comedian's opinion, <laughs> they left the door open, Glenn, after they left to go live their lives in the freest country in the history of the world and enjoy this incredible freedom, this unique experience in the history of humanity, this bastion, this incredible moment of just a couple hundred years here. Mm-hmm. And really... It's a flash. It is. Mm-hmm. It is a, an incredible flashpoint that is a hopefully not a light that's diminishing. They went to go leave and live their life and, and you know, and they left the door open. Well, they left the machine running. The machine... <laughs> and it kept going. Yeah. And the crazy people got in there. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And that's where, like, you can't use... Men can get pregnant. Men can have babies. And then women... Can't you can't use the word women. Yeah, woman is like, you know... And when you, like... When you think about that, like, I mean, everybody knows what a woman is. And so why are we lying? Why are we making sense? And I tell this to people, the audiences, I say, say, everybody knows what a woman is. A woman is someone who gets mad at you for something you did five years ago. (laughs) A woman. And doesn't tell you. (laughs) Just holds that grudge. A woman is someone who uses her tires as curb finders. You know, you you drive with your wife. Honey, the curb. I know. And, uh, but, but I say it as a joke, but it's also, it's like, you know, people are, are, are astounded by the fact that like, you know, Governor Whitmer used, we refused to use the word woman and she used the word child bearers. And then the New York Times called it people who menstruate. And for some of you older ladies, people who used to menstruate. So <laughs> like, what? What do we, <laughs> and, um. And I said, what if this really catches on? You know, the next time you go to like the Nordstrom's and you're like, yeah, I'm looking for some shoes for my wife. Uh, am I in the right place? I mean, cause is this the shoe department for the people who menstruate? Cause these <laughs> shoes look a little big. These shoes like this is for the, the people, uh, you know, with outside vaginas, the sausage hangers, you know. So what are we going to call men now? So it's a lunacy. It's lunacy. And it's a culture under attack. It's Western civilization under attack. So do you feel, uh, first of all, I, I don't know how you survive. <laughs> is, it the, is it the Adam Sandler mafia that you guys are called? You know, I don't know if you know. I haven't before. made a movie with him in years. Uh, um, how did you survive? How did I survive? That's a very you are, question. I, I've read well, your, your feed. You're, you're uh, not yeah. shy. No, I mean, well, thank you. I don't know how. It's only because of the audiences that come see me do stand up. You know, that's that's the only way to do it. And also, you know, I, I, I did make a little bit of money back in the day. <laughs> I didn't buy a big studio in Tango, but I... Uh, Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, but I... Uh, um, also, I think people now... I think there's enough people, because Hollywood doesn't seem to want to represent people between... There is an America between Los Angeles and New York. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm sorry. That also counts. It does. The people in Missouri get to decide for themselves what they want to do. And you can try to misrepresent a Supreme Court decision, which basically gave the states back what should have been. You had like, if you want to say it's, 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 uh, it's a racist decision and that like, you know, you know, uh, that Thomas is the white face of the of supremacy. This is lunacy. Well, nine white guys mm-hmm. gave the the decision in seventy three, mm-hmm. the Roe Wade, and so it was a flawed decision. If you just look at it on its face, it's mm-hmm. been flawed, and and it was only it was flawed. It was flawed because it didn't. It wasn't part of the Constitution, but 
when you see what the New York Times had as its editorial on yeah. Sunday, get rid of the Constitution. They're no longer saying we're misinterpreting it. They're saying it's wrong and should be disposed of. These are guys who have a plumbing problem in their house. And um, instead of calling a plumber, they burn the house down. That's what they want to do. They won't fix the problem or they won't address it or they won't debate. They won't use the art of dissuading. They will use the art of demonizing and destruction. That's why they know that they're wrong. When you use term... And, and, you think they do know? Yes. Otherwise, why would they change the terminology? Mm. Why would you use a euphemism to describe abortion as like, you, if you're going to call it terminating a pregnancy, then do it. If you're going to say, you know, what the Democrats have said for so long, which is like rare, mm -hmm. safe... safe. Infrequent, mm -hmm. rare, it's, it's, it's safe, a rare, legal, yeah. legal. Race, rare, safe, and legal. Yeah, and rare is the last one. And now they don't even want to call it terminating a pregnancy. They just call it good health care. And it's like, you know what? If you're using a euphemism, you must know there's something wrong there. And that's the way I really feel about it. So I, I did feel like, I, I think you're, you're dealing with, um, there's a base, and you have to call it what it is, lies. Mm -hmm. There's a base of lies in this liberal uh, intelligentsia and the liberal rhetoric that, uh, you know, it is trying to. And, and I, I don't think it's all, you know, I don't think like every liberal has these as a has a heart that's uh, that's bad. I, right. I, I can't think I that. think I think they just whipped up into this froth of, of B.S. liberal intelligentsia and this ideology that warps people. Yeah, I think we have. Uh We've entered a time to where we have our backs up so much that we cannot break away from our sides. That is wildly dangerous. It is. Wildly dangerous. You used to have people who would um, go across the aisle. Mm -hmm. But now you have um, a, a, a fear of if you even attempt to. That there's this you're going to get this flack. And so because well, we it's no longer about the individual. It's about the machine. It really is about yeah. the machine. You know, you could vote for a, a Republican, but is the machine going to chew him up and spit him out? Well, it's true because what you have, uh, interestingly, I think what you're, the way I'm interpreting what you're saying is you have parts of government that are captured. And yes. I don't say that lightly, and I didn't want to say that. Mm -hmm. We have agencies like the CDC. Um, and now, unfortunately, the FBI. And by the way, for people That's who think crazy, when people who think like the FBI is like, you know, I, I don't say that lightly. And I don't I think the FBI has, you know, historically behaved badly. I mean, if you talk, if you just I just read the letter the other day just to remind myself because I was trying to go, what is similar to what's happening? In the FBI? And then, there was a letter that they sent to, to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to get him to kill himself. And um that's the FBI. I don't think I've read that letter. Yeah. Well, it's a real letter. And now it's unredacted and you can read it. And it's just, uh, you know, um, I, mean, I mean, remember, I remember talking to Warren Hutcherson. He's a terrific uh, writer. Uh, and he was on Saturday Night Live at the same time. And he with me. And um, he told me then, and I, I had to look it up. He said, like, <laughs> the last meetings of the Black Panthers, there was 11 members and like nine of them were fbi agents <laughs> sounds familiar yeah sounds very and if you familiar. look at like the the if you really read in the yeah. the governor whitmer and the kidnapping oh, thing i know it's just you know 
are we spending our tax dollars to like take these people who are marginalized already, who are depressed and looking for work and this and thing, and it, and not living the American dream, but still Americans who love their country, and we're trying to get them to commit a crime so we can ensnare them? Is that what our law enforcement at the highest level of our government should be it's doing? It's truly frightening. I mean, I've... I've never been one who's just been all rah-rah America. I know that we've made huge mistakes. Mm. Um, I know I've been on the wrong side of things. I was for, you know, the war in Iraq. What a stupid idea that was. Yeah, I, I did get caught up into that myself. Yeah, and, you, and you just, so we change. But I've never, and maybe I was stupid for it, but I never thought that the system entirely is corrupt. And now I feel like, you know, if it have you turned it off and turned it back on again? <laughs> you know what I mean? We need to reset to factory settings because it just seems so corrupted. Well, you have the definition of fascism. Yes. You have it. You go like, well, what's, what's fascism again? You go, let me look it up. Okay, it's where corporate interests and the, and the government get together and they go, what the, so when... The Biden administration is telling Facebook what they could right, just say. Right. But it, isn't that? Yeah. Isn't this against this technical, yeah. the technical definition of what, of not, of our constitutional First Amendment. There's mm -hmm. a reason why the first one is free speech, protecting speech, and why the government should not be involved in it. Because it, it, all our other ones rely, stem from that. Stem from that. They all yeah. rely on it. Yeah. And so you have the, we have this. It's, a, it's a, I called it a creep earlier, and I really think it is a wave. It is like a blob that is just going and going. You have the CDC, which is obviously, and I've known about this for years, and that was one of the reasons that I, I, I had to get out of the, the, that uh, Democratic uh, Party stranglehold because I saw that it was no longer protecting the rights of the individual, mm -hmm. you know, that parent, parental rights. They had no problem squashing it. I was there in California, and this is about the... Vaccines, which was the original kicking out of show business before I became Republican, <laughs> was like, wait a minute, you know, let's look, mm -hmm. can we look in it like we have 54, according to the Health and Human Services, and I'm, I'm a stat nerd, as you can probably tell, 54, according to our own government statistics, 54% of our children, United States children, and this is an older statistic now, 54% have suffer chronic illness, 54%. That that is not the biggest news story. And I'm talking about ADHD. I'm talking about chronic mm -hmm. and I'm talking about allergies, peanut allergies. I'm talking about, you know, uh, autism. Mm -hmm. These are, these are over mm -hmm. half our children. But that is not the biggest story every day on the news is willful ignorance on behalf of our, of what is be, or what is still called journalism, which it isn't journalism. And it is a, a sign of our captured uh, regulatory agencies. It is unbelievable. And so when I started to dig into it and see it, you know, and see how, uh, you know, f how it's pure profit for. Uh, so when this when this pandemic came up, I go, OK, this is just another pure profit for yeah. them. And it's like, hey, how about this? It really is. I'm going to make a product. I'm not going to pay for it. The taxpayers are going to pay for it. We're going to make billions of dollars and they have to take it. <laughs> they get fired. Right. And the best part is they can't sue us because we have complete liability protection. Can I get in that business? Can I please? I want my money in there. 
I mean, it's like, it's, it's, we have to question this lunacy. We have to. And then they finally, the CDC admits this, this last week, thank you that it's all BS. And it's like 17% protection, which is like, ah, I don't believe that either. Even four boosters. I tell my audience, I said last night here, I was performing this thing. I said, I was in Mexico and I got COVID because I was surrounded by everybody who was vaccinated. So of course, that's how you get COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you have to, I mean, at the end of the day, and it's pretty simple. It's like, there's no drug. No drug ever made that's 100% safe, 100% mm -hmm. of the time for 100% of the people. Where there is risk, there has to be choice, or you don't have freedom, you have tyranny. It's pretty basic. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, please listen up. There is hope, and it comes in the form of relief factor. You know, I just went to the doctor, and they're like, you got some inflation in you, or some inflammation in <laughs> inflation you can see what's on my mind uh and i said uh really and they said you know that's what causes cancer i'm like i don't know if you're a real doctor or not but relief factor keeps the inflammation down um it causes pain most of our pain is caused from inflammation and also um a lot of our um illnesses are caused by inflammation so please just take a three-week quick start trial pack. See if it works for you. Go to relieffactor.com. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more because it works. It's relieffactor.com. I, I wrote down a list this morning for a monologue I'm working on about how <clears throat> I fear a return to the dark ages mm. because this is a religion. Oh, yeah. There is an inquisition. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Um, and... Things have been so discredited. Science is yeah. discrediting itself every day. What they're doing to girls in, uh, in uh, school age um, with this transgenderism is so dangerous. Well, you know what, what you have to just you have to call it out and we have to not be afraid. No, I know we have to say there's four thousand percent increase. And this is an English statistic because yeah. they're in some ways they're more they're more they are. They're freer with their statistics mm -hmm. than they are. Not their society, mm -hmm. but with their, they're still, you can get arrested for a meme over there if you're a comedian. True. You know, if it's somebody was, you know, hurt, hurt. by it. And so 4,000% increase in trans, this is a social contagion. It is. We have to call it, it what it is. And we're going to have to, like, look, kids are confused. There's a reason why 14-year-olds aren't allowed to drive or own a gun or, um, you know, start working in the workforce because they can't make these, they're not capable. Their brains haven't, haven't fully formed. formed. They haven't formed until 25. Yeah. Maybe even, maybe think even longer now. Yeah. How can we let them decide to mutilate their bodies? And who are these evil people that are committing this? This is a crime against humanity. It is. And it, it is an outgrowth on this ideology that is just is spreading out and spreading out and spreading out. Mm -hmm. and, and who knows what the next level is going to be? We have to well, Canada say, just Canada just came out with euthanasia for teenagers. Um, they already had euthanasia. But if you have a chronic illness, chronic depression, you can now be euthanized. That is I didn't hear about that. I heard just that, came out. That, well, I heard that they, they did that for their um, veterans. Who they don't, I guess they don't want to pay for them anymore or something. <laughs> this is getting expensive. Just tell them we'll put them out. We'll put them out. What, what I, I think you have to get back to, and I do think where if we go back to a darker period, 
Well, h- hang on. Think of this. Science completely discredited. Oh, yeah. Government anything being completely discredited. Law enforcement discredited. <laughs> yeah. uh, education discredited. Yes. You're, what you're, happens? You're talking about the foundational um, yeah, you collapse. Get, you get to a place to where the people say, I don't want to hear any of that crap from you. I will tell you what this this is. It is, again, the creep. And uh, the thing about rights, and I remember, like, just as a, uh, you know, I call myself a mild historian because I'm interested in it. (laughs) I want to know how. So in 1984, I went to uh, Berlin, which is West Berlin at the Mm -hmm. time. And I went to the Reichstag building. And uh, Schneider is my name. And and I I was interested. How did this happen? Mm -hmm. Can I just go there and read? So I just spent... I spent two days there at the Reichstag building. And I said, just, and let me just read. How, how, did they, how did the German people, the most educated, the more PhDs mm-hmm. in the 20th century, was in Nazi Germany than anywhere else? When I tell that to people, they get angry because like, I have a PhD. What are you talking about? No, your, your degree doesn't mean you, you are prevented from committing evil, atrocities. Sometimes overeducation I, is you become an idiot on common sense. <laughs> you become indoctrinated into mm-hmm. a system, you know? That's mm-hmm. why, like, you know, people that they hire at the New York Times, they're indoctrinated. They go, I'm not indoctrinated because you don't even realize you're indoctrinated. Right. Because they wouldn't have never hired you unless you were and went to right. that educational system, Ivy League school of indoctrination, so now you're there. You don't even mm-hmm. realize it. So I read the, the laws that were enacted after uh, the National Socialists took over in 1933, 1934, and they just, they didn't take them all over in one night. Yeah. They took one at a time. And this one, then this one. Then we're going to marginalize these people and we're going to, and we'll, we'll, we'll kill these people. And it was like, it, there was a, a euthanasia thing that they did mm-hmm. with the mentally handicapped. And people got angry about that. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, according to um, Hitler's Willing Executioner's book by Daniel, I forget his last name. He said the reason why they put the death camps in Poland was because the Nazis wanted to, to put the Jews and exterminate them in a place where they hated Jews even more than in Germany, Poland. So, and it took hundreds of thousands of people to, to make oh, yeah. that work and, and to just kind of go along with the system. And that's, there's a really interesting book called, um, you know, the sociopath next door. <laughs> and it talks about, it's really interesting from a psychological, from a psychiatrist's point of view and, and the historical background. It's about 60% of people that just go with everything. Yeah. 4% sociopathic, according to the book. And so you have um, the makings here in our country oh, yeah. of another genocide. Everything's there except for the mass murder because all of the censorship and all the other stuff is under attack. What I'm hoping for, because I believe in this country and I love this country and I feel like I have to speak up because at a certain point, Glenn, you have to put country, God, and family above career and above the almighty dollar. Yeah. And I have done that and you have done that. And um, Are you willing to lose it all for what you believe? Absolutely. Yeah. Because because if, if we don't have it, then we have nothing. Mm-hmm. I want to. I'm not. I'm not. I don't care about my career anymore. Mm-hmm. I care about my children's. Me too. The country that they're going to live in, and my hope is this. My hope is a beautiful story from a, from a um, from a chaplain in England. When the American flyers came over in the early days of World War II, when the American flyers came over after, this is like the dog days, 1942, late 42, when like their friends were getting blown out of the sky. 
they would go over on the bombers and half would come back, two thirds would come back, you know, but they were dying. And there was one particularly awful um, week, two weeks, where there was a, a very high percentage of these pilots were getting blown out of the sky and getting killed. And um, they went to the um, prison, they went to the, to, the, uh, to the Air Force chaplain and they, the pilot said, why, I said, our friends are dying, why should we do this? Why should we get up tomorrow and fly? They did this at like literally 4.45. It's supposed to leave 5.30. Why should we do this? Tell us why. They didn't say they weren't going to do it. So tell us why we should do this. Our friends are dying. Tell us. And the chaplain was really, you know, woke up and said, um, well, humanity has come, out of a, has come out of the dark ages. We've come out of where people get burned at the stake. People believe and, and go along with this. And there's a darkness that we have come out of and doing a more of an enlightened period, a more freer period. And he said, this is a step back into those darkness. And these are the darkest parts mm-hmm. of humanity. And we need to stand up for that now. And that requires this. So they all flew. We are uh, there again. Yeah, and it requires a new set of flyers. Why did that affect you so much? <sighs> well, I do feel the sacrifice um, that's required, and like we have to make it, and we got to do it. Uh, because we were lucky, man. We grew up in that, that boom time yeah. of American, like 1947, Jackie Robinson. You know, I consider that like, you know, that when that inclusive part of America. And then 54, you know, you know, Brown versus the Board of Education. And then you have like my dad in 1954. He just, after Brown versus Education, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, and my dad was in real estate, son, I'm going to rent to black people. Hmm. And he said, this is wrong. This is, this is not moral. And I grew up with that guy, you know, and I grew up with like, uh, you know, my mother who was an educator and, um, you know, when also half her family were killed during the Japanese occupation. So I grew up with that. So I, I was very aware of like, yeah. Uh, and so, uh, that, that morally shaped me. Um, and so I, I, it does make me think like we were so lucky the seventies. Come on. I know. How great was that? I know. We got I, to I, I've free. thought of this I thought about this a lot. We're same age. And uh, I think about it a lot that my kids won't have the opportunity to see America at the height and at the at our best, even though we had all kinds of problems. Yeah. But we still had freedom in a different way than they'll ever oh, yeah. understand. And, you know, when I left New York, I didn't realize it until later. I think, you know, I was at the top and you were oh, yeah. close to at the very top, oh, at yeah. the close to the end of that era of New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And now that dude, I was on billboards in Times Square. <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah. And that era is over. And. People won't experience 
the things that we kind of took for granted in some ways. You know, there is a, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, freedom, because we've had, you know, the America has survived. And, you know, like for people who think this is a civil war, it's not. No, it's not. It's not a civil war. I mean, if you talk about the brutality and the 600,000 people that died in um, in the Civil War and the higher the high percentage of that mm-hmm. uh, of the population at that time and in horrible ways um, I just picked up I was just in Gettysburg and uh, over the weekend and I bought for our history vault um, three diaries of a guy who was just a regular guy infantryman on the north and he just documented his day to day yeah and one of his entries is about coming up to a fence where the Confederates had beheaded Union soldiers, stuck their heads on the pikes, and then cut off their genitals and put it in their mouth. And I thought, that's an American doing that to another American. And that only happens when you're trained to hate the other side. That is... um what happens and the road i mean i hate to say this but like we are we're heading towards that road because I think we're on that road we we can still turn around when we are um when you stop communicating when you stop using dissuasion when you stop mm-hmm. using debate to find the better ideas mm-hmm. the road that you're going down is brutality and no longer civilization because that's not civilized anymore there is no, you know, you can, I, that's why I say, and I, it's true. I don't hate, I don't hate my enemies. I don't have enemies. I have people I disagree with. Yes. And I have, these are Americans and I am not going to go down that road of yelling, of demonizing. I mean, I found myself the other day, like the guy from of Pfizer and I went like, he just got COVID. And then, then he admitted it doesn't really work. And I'm like, <laughs> and I said, you effing A. Oh, no, what am I doing? And, yeah. But like. It was, it's hard. It's hard not to. And yeah. it's like, that's the thing about this. You tweet. You know, like, it's out. <laughs> it's out. Can I take it back? No, it's forever. But I, I have faith. I have faith. And I have faith in God. And I, I, I take this. And I've, I've, uh, my faith in God has increased dramatically. Mine too. Once you have children. And, and once you, you, you get older and wiser and you realize the wisdom of God and everything. And it's, I, I take solace in what Father Ripberger told me. And he was very lovely to give me an audience with him. He's a terrific Catholic priest. And, and Catholicism is the, you know... You know, I did the born-again Christian thing. Mm-hmm. My dad was a Jew. My mom was a Catholic. They gave up their religions for each other, like the old Bill Maher joke. You know, when I go to confession, I bring my attorney. <laughs> Father, this is Mr. Cohen. He'll be answering all the questions. Um, but the, the Catholicism is the closest to the actual uh, word of Jesus and the fact that it was, you know, it went from the Aramaic to the Greek to the Latin. And um, Father Ripperger said to me, because he was talking about the rise in evil in the world right now, and it is. You have to think like it the is. Nazi Germany, whatever demons or whatever release of the, something's going on like mm-hmm. that time. And I think, but he said a beautiful thing. And I, th- I want your listeners to know that. I want you to know that also. He said a beautiful thing. He said, look, Jesus already won. This is just a mop up mission. Hmm. So have faith and faith. And I, and I, and I, 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 to my liberal friends and you know, the few that I still have <laughs> <laughs> faith is just an openness. It's in the difference between belief. Belief is that fundamentalism. Belief 
come from the word Anglo, leaf, is a willfulness to, it's like, I want the world to be this way and this is the right way. Yeah. It's just, no, it's gotta, it's gotta fit into that. And that is the opposite. It precludes the possibility of faith. Faith is simply an openness to the truth. And I would just ask my liberal friends to be open to the truth and to know that like, what it, to take a small child, a young girl, and and a young boy and think that there's any that they were given the wrong body i said jesus say that say that to jesus say that to god god you made a wrong body i don't think he's gonna answer yeah i did he's gonna know i made it they're all perfect in their own way i think we have to come from a place of love we have to come from a place of god and it's like that's the only way we can heal. And, and that's what, I mean, at my best, I'm going to try to do that. At my worst, I'm going to get wrapped up and angry, you know, because I'm a human being too. And I'm passionate about it, as you can tell. But I want to send a message of love and God and faith and family. Have you read Martin Luther King's 10 uh, commitments to be a part of his nonviolent movement? He no, made, he made people sign. If you wanted to march with him, you had to follow a certain pattern of life. It wasn't just like wow. I'm going to show up and I'll be there at eight o'clock <laughs> and I'll check in. And, yeah. Um, uh, and it, the first one was meditate on the teachings of Jesus, and all of it was uh, pray for uh, pray for reconciliation and not a win. Uh, it was, he was, he, he had the right answer. He had yeah. the right answer. And I'm, I'm afraid that there are so many people in a country of 350 million. You know, there's lots of opinions out there and some of them are crazy. Yeah. Um, and some of those opinions are running to, we got to stop them. Yeah. And that is not, that'll only make things much worse. It will we, lead to bloodshed. We have to love our enemy. We have to. We have to realize that we have more in common than we have different. But there's less money in that for tech companies, <laughs> for artificial intelligence and the mm -hmm. tech companies. They want to rile you up and, and see, like, these 3% of, of, of these people are really radical. But the, what about the 97% that probably aren't, you know? And, like, this is the, the liberal saying, but it's 40%, you know, Bill Maher said, 40% of the Republican Party. I, I I'm sorry, where is that statistic? Let's break it down. I remember statistics. In statistics, you can find any statistic that you want and support it if you eliminate these other statistics. Mm -hmm. But getting back to Dr. King, I mean, one of the things as I travel around this country and try to perform and, you know, not indoctrinate people, like some comedy shows seem to be doing these days. <laughs> Not Saturday Night Live. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I hate to crap on my old show. I hate to crap on my old show. But when I saw when Hillary Clinton lost, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. yes. Not exactly the most likable yeah. person in the room. Right. And then when Kate McKinnon went out there on Saturday Night Live in the cold opening, and I was like, she started dressed as Hillary Clinton and she starts playing Hallelujah. And I said, I literally prayed to please have a joke at the end. Don't do this. Please don't go down there. And there was no joke at the end. And I went, it's over. It's over. It's not going to come back. And I said, it really is the end of. It's gone. You, can, you can take the comedy 
routines, the com- the comedy routines. You can take the comedic indoctrination process happening with each of the late night hosts, mm-hmm. and you could exchange them with each other. That's how you know that's not interesting anymore, because there's no there's no. It's not an independent voice anymore. It's just all indoctrination by comedic imposition. I just read another story today about um, how bad these uh, preborn clinics are. These these clinics that are trying to save babies. It's so horrible. The whole world is upside down. Roe versus Wade was responsible for 63 million babies dying. The decision to abort a child now is left in the hands of states and abortion will continue. And I think it crazy levels in some states like New York and California. Well, there is a ministry that has been working um, to end um, abortion and it is the preborn centers and they have put clinics in the top abortion cities. 50% of abortions take place in these cities and their work of saving babies lives continue at even a greater level as they fight Planned Parenthood. And now they also have to defend their, their customers. They have to defend and protect their staff and their building from radical hate groups. Um, These guys are under attack. Luckily, they have real spiritual guardians around them. Preborn is um, is asking you if you could help, if you could help. They need it more than ever. If you would consider a gift of any size, ten dollars, fifty dollars, hundred thousand. I don't know how much money you have, but all gifts are tax deductible. And I don't think there's a better cause than saving the lives of babies and keeping people safe that are doing that sacred work. Donate at dial. I'm sorry. Dial pound two fifteen. You can donate. Say the keyword baby. Remember pound two fifty keyword baby or go to preborn.com slash Glenn preborn.com slash Glenn. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you used to work in Saturday Night Live when a conservative and a liberal could yeah. work side by side and you'd hit both sides. <laughs> yeah. Well, right? that was the whole point. Right. We always lean more left because we were more Correct. liberal because that's where all the girls were. Right. Let's be honest. Right. That's what that was the whole I got in the show but business. I realized you... that, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm five foot five, <laughs> barely. I'm Filipino. I look kind of weird and whatever. And I, and I said, I, I could have to do something to get these beautiful girls because this ain't working. And so and so you get wrapped up into this. And I, I guess I am a liberal. But we lean that way. But we also called it when it was necessary to Correct. be called. I thought, There's you know, no way that you would have hit Barack Obama and Joe Biden as hard uh, as at least Joe Biden, because there was tons of funny things about Joe Biden. There wasn't. They they stayed away from it. And truthfully, they just like, you know, and Lauren Michaels will say this and, you know, he'll say the the, the liberals, they're just they're more sensitive. They can't take jokes. Democrats. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's true. But like, I will say, they were still doing great stuff. The real genius for Saturday Night Live is Jim Downey, the head writer. And he wrote this, and he's also a conservative. Um, he wrote a great bit. Like, the great, the last great political bit was uh, during when Obama and Hillary in the primaries and, uh, and the press and how the press were deferential to Obama. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this really funny thing. He said, Hillary, so... 
according to you know the Syria and the, the you know what's happening in, in Libya and the, do you think that that support that going against Assad and go and then also support and, and Hamas is uh, <laughs> Hamas is what the creep of Hamas coming in uh, in Lebanon and there's, do you think that that that, that the process would be and they asked some very complicated and they said so Senator Obama who's your favorite basketball team <laughs> <laughs> and I said well that's brilliant and that's really funny because that's kind of the press. Mm-hmm. The press was so correct, you know, and so and, and that's funny. And I think at the end of the day, like all entertainers, including me, when I'm going out performing and I talk about all this stuff, but my job is to entertain. Funny is coming back, though. I think so. I mean, I'm, I've been ostracized from show business. You can probably tell. But <laughs> you're here. <laughs> <laughs> At no point in anyone's life has been, you know, I'm, on, I'm going up. I'm going up. I'm on the Glenn Beck podcast. <laughs> yes. Well, thank this you for is ha- really the last box to <laughs> check. Before. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's the ash. So many other apps. Uh, Bill Maher had me on his show the other day, which is, uh, you know, he has the he suffers from the Trump derangement syndrome. Right. But he's he's also a libertarian, you know, so yeah. we have more in common than we don't. We yeah. sat down and talked for an hour and a half and realized all oh, my com- commonalities. And he, he was grateful that I'm outspoken about, you know, these things. And I appreciate it. Um, but we're here to entertain mm-hmm. and we got to entertain. But if you can entertain and enlighten and also, I mean, you can use both. I mean, that's the thing about George Carlin. I think George Carlin would be all over this. And, oh, yeah. And, 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 and I don't think I'm, you know, it's not well, to, you know. You can't say what the dead would speak of, but if you look at his, you know, his yes. history of calling bullshit bullshit, yeah. he'd be all over this. Lenny and, Bruce, I, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't understand how comedians don't see that. Comedy I think they, is but, always the way. To, there's the great ones that are calling it. I mean, yeah. like Dave Chappelle, who's as liberal as you can yeah, be. Yeah, 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 and he's you know he's calling it. What is it, the lunacy? Yeah, but I think that's relatively new and when he started everybody was like oh god he's done oh yeah right yeah well somebody tried to stab him the other day he was very funny though he said like somebody tried to stab me with with a gun that identified as a knife (laughs) (laughs) he's brilliant i don't agree with all the politics of it but he's brilliant you know and it's like i want to go down that road and, and things and you were talking about dr king and i like i sometimes when i'm traveling around like i was in atlanta and i went to the to the uh, Civil Rights Museum, and I was just walking through there, and uh, and I saw there was an old TV playing newsreels, and the local reporter in Atlanta was interviewing Dr. King, and he says, "Anything surprise you? What surprised you most about the Civil Rights Movement?" And I went, "I got to hear this," and he said, "Well, the most surprised me the most was the," he said something to the effect of, "Was the large amounts, the incredible amount of people, good people." who did nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. That's always me. the case. The, a, a large amount of good people who did nothing. And, and that's what we're dealing with in this final, like whether it's the people who just go along, like in the pandemic, and just, mm-hmm. we'll lock us up, we'll lock up perfectly healthy people and quarantine them, even though that's never been done before and there's no science behind it. We'll just do it. Okay. What? And so you have this authoritarian totalitarianism out of like Governor Newsom in California, which is like, he just doesn't care. He just, you know, it's just a, a, it's just, they love the power. They love getting up talking every morning. They love ruining small businesses. They don't have a problem with it because he's never worked a day in his life. Yeah. 
So they don't know how hard it is to work and be, to be, you know, paint houses and to open a business every day and like the small amount of percentage after you're done dealing with taxes and the state taxes and the permits and all this stuff and you still, and your employees and that taxes and healthcare and all this stuff and you got to have a little bit left over for yourself. They don't care about that. They don't know what it's like. They don't. So that is really like, <clears throat> that's why I said China Fornia. That's not racist. China is a one-party system. California is a broken one-party system. You know, and I say a very crude joke about it. I stand up back. Can I say something? Yeah, yeah. Is sure. it okay? I say, this is very crude, but it's a nightclub. You know, you know it's a theater. You know, people pay money. Sure, sure. I warn. I give a warning now. John Cleese is very liberal. We get along more than real than. You know, we di we dis disagree. He's very liberal, but he said, "I said, you know, John, I had like ten walkouts last night for people." He said, "You should give a warning before your show." <laughs> so I, I do. I, I do um, so this is the warning. I give, just so you know, <laughs> well, I, I, I give a warning and I say that, uh, and I'll give it in John Cleese's. I'll try to do John Cleese's. Uh, for those of you who um, uh, are, uh, find themselves in their own ideological echo chamber. And if ideas separate than their own may cause their own emotional collapse, this may be a time to pretend you forgot something in your huge fucking truck and go out and have a good cry and be the pussy that you know you are in your heart. That's the warning I give before every show. And then I talk, I talk about California because I got the heck out. I couldn't deal with it, you know? And um, so and I tell people that California, this is true and I apologize. California is like a beautiful woman who... Who used to blow you, but hasn't blown you in a long time, but she's still spending all your money. <laughs> she won't let anybody else blow you. And now she's got homeless people in her panties. And so anyway, so that's very crude, but it, very it, crude. it sets the tone for what they're going to expect uh, from the show. But it's less uh, dangerous than your biden old yeller comparison <laughs> yeah well that i got i got really angry people on that people got very angry in me when i said uh you know i said hey, biden i said biden I, and i tell people the audience i set them up i go like listen i don't know if you know I, maybe i'm crazy here but i think biden's not all there anymore <laughs> and people just fall out <laughs> laughing you know and i said and, and i've been like I, if biden was a dog you'd put him down you just you would you'd have to you know it's like you know you, you know you take him outside at sunset try to make it nice for him you know fido you know, with a five iron your other fido take a look at that beautiful thing and, whack, and then it's over you know and people get very upset over i that. have to tell you i heard that joke and i was I was very concerned about your animals. <laughs> I never, it worries yeah, me that yeah. you would put one down oh. with a five iron. But. <laughs> well, again, you know, is it's, your dog okay? Five iron, by the way, five iron is a very funny, uh, very funny term. You can squeeze that in at any time. Uh, and it's, you know, the thing about what's sad for me is that, like, because I really. I try to appeal to liberals, uh, uh, you know, because I don't want to lose a potential audience. Mm -hmm. I want more money. I want more people. Mm -hmm. And so, but I do feel like if I can get to them in a way where it's not antagonistic and I'm not attacking them. And sometimes like when I say the Biden joke, they just get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, but I, I, I say, hang in there. I say, I wish hang in there. That's a one regret that I have. I wish I would have been, uh, more aware. I really thought that 
you're the first person that has ever said, I, I was a Democrat and I'd watch you and I'd go, well, that's right. Uh, uh, that was kind of what I thought. I thought if I could make it funny yeah. um, and I could be, make it all entertaining, somebody in the press and somebody on the left would go, at least that can't be true. Oh crap! It is. Yeah, um, but they, it didn't. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't it was, matter. It's not about the truth. It's about fitting what truth they can get into the box that supports their ideological bent, mm. and that is a historically dangerous position to take. It just is. I mean, if you take a look at whether it's the Democrats and more or Republicans, you just like, you know, when you look at Robert McNamara trying to squeeze the numbers just so they can say, well, we killed more people than we lost. And then realize that all, all that was a lie. When our government lies to its people, they know they're committing evil. And our government is lying to its people again. Mm-hmm. And um, it's going to take a stronger leader to come in. And I hope it's DeSantis. I mean, I think he seems to be a, a strong leader who goes against the, I mean, it was really him who went up, who stopped the, the lockdowns, the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was really, he is the driving force. And it's not, he's not, it's not comedians, when you're saying, it. when, you're, <laughs> it's not when you're saying, but I think comedians play a role. <laughs> I don't think they play a big role because <laughs> I would say this, you know, John Cleese said this the other day. You know, he said, they talk about Peter Cook. He said, you know, uh, it's like the, he said, you, you never heard like the, those cabaret performers in Berlin. Like, <laughs> thankfully for us, we're able to stop those damn Nazis from invading Poland. It wasn't for our jokes and our dancing and our right. lewd shows. We were able to put a stop to those Nazis. But I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> Thankfully, we did it. All of us performers in those dark, sexy nightclubs. It was uh, uh, when you said a strong leader. I think the left here is strong men. And they're already saying that, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis is worse than Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, I love that. I mean, everybody is worse than whatever the last guy was. Um, But he's doing it constitutionally and he's doing it legislatively he's yeah. not dictating and writing you know he's not shooting from the hip no he is um and he's not mean about things you know but he's not he, the, the, i like about it because he's fearless yes but he doesn't ever come off uh with any attack or anything where you can go that was that was uh unhinged mm-hmm. you never hear unhinged because he is very hinged yes he is like um you know he is ready to come and be the next Reagan. Have you? I think so, too. I hope so. Have you met Donald Trump? Yes, several times. Okay. I was with Donald Trump and Alec Baldwin, and we were all getting along wonderfully. I don't know what happened. <laughs> 2014, everybody seemed to not hate Donald right, Trump. He didn't seem to be a gigantic racist right. at that time. Uh, he is, I think... I think he has some of the best timing. He's of a funny. Non- he is hysterical. He's funny, and like you have to give it up. It's like, like, it's like he after can't be four funny. years, half the country really missed a good time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you missed some killer tweets. <laughs> really? You Twitter, you screwed up. Oh, he we is. had some good tweets coming. <laughs> but the thing about it, and you know when Angela Merkel of Germany. Mm-hmm. The leader of Germany says, you guys are going too far censoring a president, uh, the leader in the, of a country. That, that's uncharted territory. Mm-hmm. That is a step toward totalitarianism. I mean, the, 
uh, and that you know the jokes going around about um, you know they better have found some real illegal criminality in Mar-a-Lago, like you know Hillary's thirty phones. She busted. <laughs> Those are the jokes that are out right. there. You know, whatever. But uh, you know that's a bridge too far, and I think you have to the the real heroes of our republic were the ones who walked away from power. You know, when Nixon in nineteen sixty was told by his advisors that, you know, they cheated in Chicago. We can fight this. And he said, no, the peaceful transfer of power is more mm-hmm. important than any individual. That's important, you know, and, and also when Al Gore backed off it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when President, uh, when, when George Washington was offered the, to be king mm-hmm. and he walked away from power, that was the greatest thing he ever did. And um, greatest thing any leader of any real country ever did. Yeah. Um, I, I can't let you leave without. <laughs> I just heard you on a uh, podcast with Dana Carvey and David Spade. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really good. Very, very fun. Thank you. Um, I just I tell the story of the first time you had a role and it was it could have been, I think you wrote it for somebody else, but you had to play the role. And it's, oh, yeah. yeah. Can you tell that story? Oh, yeah. Well, they, they said, you know, I said, because you see the difference between people getting on Saturday Night Live. They start mm-hmm. getting movies and dating supermodels. And I was like, you know, everything, like everything you, you dream of as a young boy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, uh, and so, I, and it was, and I said, well, how do I get on the, the, the how do I get in the. Right. Because you were just a writer. Just a writer. And that's yeah. all they thought of you as. Yeah, Lauren said, you write. And then, you know, and I said, can I perform? And, you know, Lauren was like, well, you know, Chevy started as a writer and things went pretty well for Chevy. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'll do it. And so they said, well, write something. You can. I said, how do I get, get on here? And he said, well, if you can come up with something, you can perform better than anybody else. We'll let you do it. And so I remember like, because at that point they had so many performers on there. I remember like, the, it seemed like the beginning scrawl was like, and Adam Sandler, and Dana Carvey, and Sarah Silva, and Al Franken for some reason, he's still around. And this and and It seemed like that was the longest part right. of the show. Mm-hmm. You, you went from the scrawl of the cast to the news, basically. Right. And uh, so I remember one time they had a half of a half an office. In other words, there's an office and there were so many people, they divided it. And then the heating and cooling vent was in mine. So I was either freezing or boiling, and I have claustrophobia because I have older brothers who put me in sleeping bags and closets as a boy. So I'm always like, I can't stand being. And so I said, well, let me just go out in the writer's room, and I just I can breathe. And I noticed everybody walking back and forth to go eat, to go to the bathroom, or do whatever they got to do. And I noticed you couldn't be as excited the fifth, sixth, seventh time as you see Kevin Nealon. You know, and I thought, what if it was a guy just as excited? Kevin, all right, Kevin, <laughs> hit in the bathroom, Kevinator, Kevin, and he came up and started playing with me like, uh, we have what, Rob? What would you have said, Kevin? All right, <laughs> just a guy who's too happy to be there. And then I said, well, I got to come up with like a reason for people to interact with him because nobody's going to be. And I said, well, I'll put him next to the copy machine. And I said, they'll come in to make copies. Nobody makes copies anymore. You just scan it. <laughs> so his life will be over. And um, it was one of those things that caught on. It made me famous. Time Magazine put it in there. It was just because everybody's looking for something fun to do in their office. You know? When did you know? I, I've, I'm a, 
I'm part of the culture. <laughs> when interesting, like after I did it the second time, I went into uh, the Sunday morning where you're really hungover and it's just because it's the hundred hour week. You're hungover from lack of sleep, you know. But you're in your twenties. That's why mm-hmm. they hire people in their twenties mm-hmm. and suck their youth out and <laughs> right. throw them away like last week's newspaper. <laughs> and I was in one of the mini marts there on the street, and I was just getting milk. And when I used to be before I realized I was lactose intolerant, <laughs> I'm getting milk and getting some whatever, and I hear somebody. And they're going, Steve-O, Stevenator, Steve-Arama. And he didn't even know I was there. Mm. So I said, if it's happening here with strangers, mm-hmm. don't know him, then it's happening everywhere. So funny. And I had 11 radio interviews the next day. Really? And I said, I never had an inter- radio interview. How many, how many episodes had you done that character? The second one. Wow. Yeah. It was like, and it that's was, when people it, watched Saturday Night Live. That's when we had millions of people. Yeah. And it was both sides. Yeah. You know, the, the, it wasn't like uh, a, a, what I call it was, it's, um, it's not interesting to just do it for your, it's a choir of your own clapping people. And like, it's just any, it's not, it's not as interesting. And like, to me, mm-hmm. the more interesting is go against the, all mm-hmm. the, all the great comedians went against what the mob was doing. Mm-hmm. Would go against it, you know, like Dick Gregory was a friend of mine and like, he was the real, the Jackie Robinson of comedy. He was before Lenny Bruce and, uh, he's passed away a couple of years ago. Andre Gaines, they did a very nice, I was a producer on the, mm-hmm. the, the documentary, which was on Showtime. And, um, you know, Dick was, he said, you know, I, I, because well, at a certain point in Hollywood, I was able to like hire people to do stuff. And I went like, I remember my dad loving Dick Gregory and went to go see him at the hungry eye with my, with my mom, you know, who she's Filipino. She didn't understand one joke. She goes, <laughs> what does it mean? <laughs> what, Marvin, what does it mean, Marvin? I don't understand what time, what is this? And then, um, <laughs> where is the South? What is the South he's talking about? <laughs> and so I was able to hire him. And to be in a movie, The Hot Chick, you know, and then his son told me, he said, not everybody wanted him to be on that movie, but he said, you know, he's a comedian. He wants to do jokes. He came in. Mm -hmm. He was great. He played the bathroom attendant and he nailed it, you know, and we had fun in there. And I said, then at the time, you know, still very, very liberal. And I said, Dick, it's not getting better. How is it getting better? And at that time, there was this horrendous crime that happened in Houston where this African-American was like dragged behind a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. And and, and then I said, how is that getting better? And he said to me, it's getting better. So how is that better? You heard about it, didn't you? Before, you never heard about it. Now the police have to do something about it. That's an improvement. Mm. That's the guy who has historical look at this. And he said, one of my favorite jokes he ever said was Dick Gregor. He said, like, you know, after protesting with Martin Luther King Jr., after marching with Martin Luther King Jr., to finally get in to eat in a diner with white people, by the time I got in to eat, they didn't have anything I wanted. <laughs> Come on. I mean, isn't that just manna from heaven? It brings everybody together. Beautiful. Best advice that you ever got from a comedian on comedy? Jay Leno. I, I remember 19, in the early 80s, you know, I had a manager and I was starting to get, you know, doing stand-up when I was young. And because my dad had comedy albums, you know, he didn't have music albums. He listened to comedy. That's what I said, you know, the way to get my dad's attention Make him laugh, you know? He was a busy man, workaholic, you know? Lovely guy, but he was gone all the time. Working, and he loved it. And so I wanted his attention, you know? I remember he used to give us gifts, and I remember I'm trying to break that habit. But um, I, didn't, I always got the gift, and I go, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. I want your time. 
I never expressed that to him, but I just like, I felt it. And I feel that with my kids now, the same mistakes I'm making. Mm. So, um, but I, remember, so I was just said, you're going to pick up Jay Leno. And this is before there was, you know, a cloud, an iCloud where you can look up in global positioning. You had a Thomas guide. And you're going to drive him to the place. You know, San Francisco, like the back of your hand, you know, you, you know, so, and I did. So I picked him up with a sign, Mr. Leno, and he was doing one of the, by the time he was on the Letterman show doing, what's, uh, what's, what's your beef, Jay? You know, my beef. You know, the thing I did again. <laughs> and um, so, and I drove him to the radio and I drove him to the theater and he said, hey, you know a good Chinese restaurant? And I said, I know the best Chinese restaurant, Mr. Leno. And it was the place I used to drive by when I was um, a boy. My dad would go, that's where the politicians and the rich people go. And mm. that restaurant, it's really good. But said, this one's just as good. Mm, it's for us. You know, and it's just as good, you know, and it's, it's not that fancy. We're not fancy. And so I, I always um, admired my dad for that. But I took him to the fancy one. Because mm. I said, you know. And he said, hey, you come on and eat with me. I don't eat by myself. I don't eat, eat by myself. Whatever. And so he ordered the food. So are you a comedian? You know, I figured out if I'm driving. I said, mm-hmm. so yes, Mr. Leno. How much time you got? And I said, I got about eight minutes. Eight minutes. That's, I'm glad to hear that. Most comedians ask, how much time you got? I got two hours. I got two hours of comedy material. <laughs> I said, who wants to hear two hours of comedy material? You have five minutes of kills every time, everywhere. Oh, you got nothing. That's the thing. You got to get five minutes. All you need is 20 minutes to become a star. All you need is 20 minutes to become a star. Five minutes of kills. You don't have that. You don't have nothing. I spent the next eight months working on just those five minutes. And then a year after that, I got on Letterman doing that five minutes. And then he told me, which is true, you don't get, you get those nuggets of information. It's like, I literally, like, you, this is like a tattoo you should put on, on your body. Mm-hmm. And like, 20 minutes is all you need to become a star. And it was, at that time, like Chris Rock, David Spade, and Adam Sandler, and myself, we had like 20 killer minutes. I don't know if we had an hour, maybe Rock did. But, and, uh, but that was really good advice. And, you know, write what you know. Uh, that was, it's true because like I, I used to walk into a comedy club and I see 30 other comedians at the time it was a comedy boom because that's when Robin Williams was <laughs> was, was famous mm-hmm. and, and there was money in it like it's like this guy's making movies he got a TV show right. Mitty. it's like I gotta do and um, I would walk into a place and it'd be kind of like you know frightening just thinking like well there's 30 comedians how am I gonna make it and they're not what, what's gonna be the difference and I said well I'm gonna have to work harder and if they're talking about anything that's similar to me, I'm going to throw it out. And even if, it, even if it kills, and I'm going to talk about my mother, I'm going to talk about my father, my car, me. So it's very personable. And that's how I made it. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm just going to end working, just, just hitting those clubs a hundred times to where like you don't break. Right. I mean, I remember, I remember walking off stage one time and I bombed one time. And I said, I felt like the, the, phys, the physical manifestation of humiliation you have to you have to get rid of your ego. Yeah. And you have to build it back from a place of reality, you know. And I felt like the, the when you're eating it on stage it's like the manifestation is your ears melting off your face. Mm. And you have to like say, okay, I can't let it get to me like that. And you get steely so that, you know, when it ain't going good, you just, you, you hammer through. But that takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of performances to get that. I, I, uh, I used to carry it around. I'd do a show, radio show. And it wasn't good. And I would just be, I could, I just, <laughs> it would just drive me out of my mind. And I could 
couldn't wait to get oh, yeah. back on the air yeah. to do it right. Right. Is that how you felt, or was it more? Oh, yeah. Because it's so I still personal. feel that way. It could be me. Oh, yeah, I still feel the way. I mean, I have audiences that just are happy that I come out. Sometimes they come out and they just stand up just because they've seen all the movies or whatever, or they, they follow me on Twitter and realize I'm mm-hmm. a freedom fighter <laughs> on social. I'm a freedom fighter. I'm out there <laughs> tweeting because I believe in freedom. And... Um, <laughs> And I haven't been canceled completely yet, <laughs> obviously. And so, um, you know, but yeah, I do feel sometimes there's a difference. And I will just tell you that what happens, that's a perfectly normal, and that's a good thing. Because if you don't care, if, if you don't beat yourself up, you, it's a less potential to be great. And I remember one time someone who beat themselves up way more than me. I just went to one of these talks. Just, I do try to learn things and ask questions. Not always. But if I'm in a town, what's in that town? Let me go check it out. Mm-hmm. Is there a museum? Let me I'll go to, wake up and get yourself into it. And if I'm performing with somebody or like it was some, I, I don't even remember the show, but it was like one of those late night shows. And I was with this, this beautiful violinist. Um, I forget her name. I'm so sorry. And she's like one of the greatest violinists in America. And I said, how many times do you perform a year? She says, 250. Oh my gosh. And I said, how many times of the 250 do you really feel on? And guess what number she said? 10. Two. Two. And I said, wow. Most of your year, you're disappointed in yourself. And I'm like, my God, I can't live that way. I got to have fun with this. And I said, I can't beat myself up like that. And you still kind of do, but like, it's... Um, it's funny. It does change. And I think it's just years and years and years <laughs> yeah. of doing it. And it's a combination Forgiving of... Forgiving yourself. Yeah. It's a combination of... Don't take it so seriously. Yeah. And I don't really give a crap anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what can they do to me now? Yeah. I'm divorced. I've got nothing. No work. Can they do? It's, uh, you know. And I do feel that sense. Like, you know, thankfully I could sell out comedy clubs and theaters. And, and I did make a movie that I, I got called Daddy Daughter Trip that's coming out soon. We're opening it in Arizona first. And I literally, like some of the people that I've made a lot of money for would do, didn't take the movie. And I know it's a good movie for them. And I get it. It's a business. And you can't take it personally. Um, I Why didn't. didn't they take it? I, I think it's because of I'm um, a conservative. I know it is, and I know it's because I don't. I, I went against the the tide of this, um, you know, the, the the tide of this intelligentsia saying do whatever the government says is really interesting. How, that, how, how does Hollywood miss the fact that we're living the McCarthy era all over again? Because because Hollywood is always going to be susceptible to the blacklisting and the alienating of people because it's an elitist system. It's the most elitist business in the world. Because like, I, I remember ta- hanging out with one of my friend's co-stars, she's an English actress. She said, I've already worked with four Academy Award winning directors and producers. So it's kind of elitism, an elitism, an elitism, an elitism, in this other scale. It's the most elitist business in the world, Hollywood. You know, like the fact that they didn't kick out Will Smith at the Oscars was just an abomination. But they were so afraid of anybody saying that they're racist. They like I said, maybe we should kick out Bradley Cooper because he's white and he hugged them. <laughs> Let's kick out Bradley. Cooper. I mean, this, the, the kind of lunacy, lunacy. And then because what I think what it comes down to is most actors are coming from a place of please hire me. Please, and so they're so afraid that they won't be hired, giving anybody a reason to, to not hire them, that, you know, you can't be. And I've been told, don't be controversial, you know, because I tweeted a thing 
And they said, you know, Rob, we're trying to sell a TV show and you're trying to, and it was my manager at the time. And he said like, cause I tweeted, I said, California would vote for a bowl of shit if it had a D next to it. <laughs> I'll vote for that. Let's go shit. You know? And I tweeted that. And it just, it was one of those things that's just like viral. You never mm-hmm. realize it's a joke. I did mm-hmm. the next thing and I was like, what? That's stopping me from getting work. Wow. But you, you have to, but Hollywood is always going to have that susceptibility to a to to uh, you know James MacArthur. I think the you know the blacklist. I think he was the, one of the actors that, that never worked again. He was a great actor in the fifties, you know. And um, I think uh, I think that was his name. I may I could be wrong. But I, I, there's that potential is always going to be there in Hollywood because you're just trying to what's the most popular thing? What do we need to do? How do we continue to keep our jobs? And and I used to re- I realized something when I was at the studio system. First time I got fired at Disney, I was depressed. When I got kicked off the lot at Sony, I was I was like relieved. <laughs> but I realized this: these people don't want to make the best movies that they can make, the funniest movies. They don't operate from that. And I put it in, it's in my book that will be coming up hopefully next year. I said, they don't operate that way. I thought they would. They operate from what will delay my inevitable firing the longest. Mm. And that's how they operate because they all know they're going to get fired. So if I put my name with everybody else's name on this $200 million Goliath and that goes down, well, the whole studio goes down. Mm. But if I take a risk on this little comedy and it doesn't work, well, I'll be exposed. I remember one guy just wouldn't push the button on this one movie at Fox. He just wouldn't go ahead. And I was like, well, because he's worried about getting fired. That's why. He doesn't want to put his neck. He doesn't want to get above the firing line. And if you do, you know. You and I have put our head above the firing mm-hmm. line. It's ugly. It's the you know it's that's but the it line. is what people where they are. That's what they're looking for. I think they're, so. I, I do. Too. I want to think so. Yeah. I want to think so. I want to think that there's the the good amount of people who didn't step up and you know during the civil rights movement for a lot, of, but eventually I think most of the people did. Um, and you see the betterment of society for it. Mm-hmm. And I think for the people who like agreed to lock down, even though there was nothing wrong with them, and this there was no such thing as asymptomatic spread and all that crap that they, uh, I think, um, you know, I'm hopeful that the next time that the government tries this, because they're not done, I hope that these people wake up and realize how important that First Amendment is, how important that Second Amendment is how important that third amendment is, even the fourth mm. <laughs> and the fifth. And you realize that like, you cannot burn down the house and destroy our constitution, stack our court because mm. you didn't win. That's not how you play this game. This is much for people who don't put country, God and family first. God, country, family. God, family, country. You have to. We have to. That's the only way we're going to survive that. And we have to make sure that our leaders coming up, that we can protect them and that we can support these people who believe in that. And I am still bullish on this country. I love it. And I'll do everything I can in my power. And if, it, my, if I never work again as an actor, and but I can talk to people wherever I can, talk to you and just come from a place, like you said, from a place of of wanting to unify people, mm-hmm. coming from a place, not attacking, coming from a place of love, but also going to call people when I think that they're destructive to the foundational principles of our great country. We have to do that at the expense of whatever they take away from me. Mm. It's been a great conversation. 
Well, thank you. I think we should turn the cameras on at this point. I think we're ready to go. <laughs> <I think> we're <laughs> ready. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a real honor. Well, thank you. Honor's mine. Thank Thanks. you. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. Thank you.